1: That's 1-866-613-1612, or send an email to info at org. Now back to Star Style, Be The Star You Are, with the Oprah of the Airwaves, Cynthia Bryan.
0: Well, hello, power partners, and welcome to radio's finest hour of power, Star Style, Be The Star You Are, a program of positive book talk with authors and experts that help you excel in life. My name is Cynthia Bryan, and I'm always thrilled to be your personal growth coach right here on the airwaves to help you expand your energy and to live your dreams. So we want you to get ready to pump up your love. We want you to learn. We want you to laugh, to listen, and, of course, to do what you love and to read books and to enjoy some positive media. Today's show is going to be a rather interesting one. It's sort of a a hot and smoky. It's a show that uh, is going to be weighing in about global obesity that's perpetrated by the U.S. media. Heather and I will be speaking about that in our first segment. And then followed that, we're going to be talking about two books from Dr. Ellen Kirschman, I Love a Cop and I Love a Firefighter. And that's going to be in segment two. And then in our final segment, we are going to dissect a dynamic model for life mastery with Dr. Alfred Kutz's book on leadership for success. The miracle moment for today is brought to you by Be The Star You Are charity, providing tools for literacy and living to those who are in need. Please make a donation by going to bethestarur.org. It's by Richard Carlson. Choose being kind over being right and you'll be right every single time. Well, Heather Brittany is on the line with us. Hello, Heather. Hello, hello. Hello. I, we are going to be talking about global obesity and how America is leading the way and why are we addicted to fast foods. A board member of Be the Star You Are sent us a YouTube video about how sugar is poisoning the world and contributing to those extra 25 pounds that we carry as humans. Um, that's happened over the last 50 years. We talked about that a bit last week. So, Heather, I would like you to address this plague of health issues that are resulting worldwide, and it seems to be caused, or at the start of it is right here in the good old USA.
2: Exactly. Well, one of the big things is globalization. We're definitely not – there's with everything in life, there's always pros and cons. And the big thing with globalization is that it's united, it's broken down borders, it's taking on – bringing new countries into one another. Um, With that, though, you take the good as well as the bad. While we are bringing um, vaccines to deadly diseases that once plagued countries, now we're finding cures to them. We're also bringing bits of our culture, and with many things, uh, though uh, you know, we may fade out of people's lives, our fingerprints are left there forever. And unfortunately, some of our eating habits have gone into this. And as a result, you know, so many countries that used to be um, just on agriculture, uh, such fresh foods. Now they've adapted, you know, our McDonald's, our KSTs are popping up everywhere. Um, the weight gain has just spread not only in the USA, we have constantly talking about it, but we've just become this emerging, it's almost become a pandemic, obesity now. Um, it's a social and it's a health of, uh, cost for everything, and it costs so much. It's putting, uh, recently in all these years we've been discussing about um, all this health care reform, one thing that is so huge and so expensive um is obesity these things to, to treat people and in some ways, you know there are things some people have pre set conditions that their family history they have thyroid, but for the most part, you make the decisions about what goes in. Um, to your bodies, so when we first finding it, I was reading some article and um, believe it was in Time magazine recently, and it was talking about how we were bringing all these fantastic things and the, the you know all these vaccines helping at the same time we 're bringing these poor eating habits, and how teen childhood obesity and diabetes rates have just gone skyrocketed throughout countries and countries you know even third world countries because as we 've seen it 's a lot um, people with less money, it's, you can buy, you know, a Twinkie for 25 cents, but an apple will cost you a dollar. And
0: any, uh, you know, yeah, that of, doesn't make sense, does it? It's like we're, we're pounding the sugar and the, and the, uh, the fats and then all the fake stuff into our bodies as opposed to something healthy.
2: Exactly, exactly. And, you know, the big thing I trying to say of, um regarding uh, culture thing is that, um, so much, you know, when you think of various foods of cultural and ethnic foods, and culture really is um, it's defined as a pattern of human activities and symbols. Um, it's something that gives a particular organization uh, significance. And c- culture can be, you know, the people, how we eat, how we dress, uh, the beliefs we hold, all these different kinds of things. And what we are bringing into them is this American culture. Uh, you know, we're getting rid of uh, the healthy food and we're putting in these fast and fast processed food. Um, I recently went to a big health meeting and they were talking about you know, how to improve. They said, eat like the rainbow. And eating like the rainbow, you know, the color means health. You know, greens, uh, apple, all that stuff. And they, what is not in the rainbow is the color white. And white is processed food, processed sugars, white. Oh, you know, what is good? That's a good analogy.
0: I actually hadn't heard that. I like that. Yeah,
2: and so you know, they're saying you know that the color equals nutrition, and you, when you just think about it, you think of all the different colors of vegetables and fish and and grains and all that kinds of things. The big thing, one thing, was interesting when we were looking at these obesity rates that were going up as, as I said, it's countries that we normally think of having very small, very low, such as. Um, Asian, China, uh, Korea, that they're known for having such healthy and these great these great meals. Um, that they, they're small, they're proportional, they're balanced out. But now that we've put, been putting in our new cultural ways with them, um, they're having these increase increase. Um, and I think they were saying one thing for for Spain has gone up 27 percent. Here in America, they even believe that it's nearly almost 50 percent of the population. Um, due to these, you know, to our globalization of poor eating habits. And one thing in that what this all uh, brings to it is this constant thing with health. So we're improving health, we're also diminishing it. And obesity is something in that essence that it truly is. It's becoming something that's being diagnosed as a disease now. Um, some people that, uh, you know, some people they have, as I said before, they have particular um, things or it can even be, you know, the, the disease of, you know, overeating. Some people have um, something in their brain that just tells them they're not full, they're not, you know, they just continue they can possibly even eat themselves to death but for the most part it's just that you know, convenience, people are less moving, we've talked in other shows about how everything is right in front of us now, we can, you know, there's the computer, uh TV they're, with all these budget cuts in schools, they've gotten rid of um, all these, you know, physical activities Yeah, they've it's gotten rid of
0: so many sports programs and P.E., you know, physical education, et cetera, which we really have to have that. We really have to, in order to be healthy, you've got to be active. Exactly. And especially when kids are young, they really got to learn. You know, they have to to uh, maximize their bodies by working them out. But if they don't learn at an early age, they're not going to develop good habits for the rest of their life.
2: Exactly. And, you know, one thing is with kids, they have so much energy they need. You there's a big thing is that the way, a good way of viewing uh calories is that it's fuel. You know, it is, you can't, you can't do, you know, I love doing metaphors and comparisons of just trying to break down in, in a simplistic way of what we're doing with our bodies. So just as so with the car, you know, they, and they even have warning signals at the gas station, do not overfill your tank, danger. And we have to have this thing of that we overfill our tanks, and just as dangerous as it is um, to be driving out with an overfilled tank, it's at the same time you don't want a car driving on fumes. So it's the kind of that constant balance. And with kids, you know, kids are these very hyperactive cars in essence. And when we're one, that's why we're having high rates here with ADD. Is we're taking away the, it's, it's the art, we're taking away of mind stimulating as well as body. And now these kids that are being cooped up all day, as soon as they get home the first thing they're doing now is just sitting in front of a TV, sitting in front of a computer, and they're grabbing non nutritious snacks. And so that's why, I mean, these are the things that if globalization, we want to be inheriting other cultures, um, you know, their their fresh food. Their, it's a kind of fine well, way that well, we're doing In watching things.
0: this video that was about sugar, um, talking about fructose and glucose and, and it, how it actually is a poison To the body, and what we really should be ingesting for a sweetener is is dextrose, which is put into beer, you know, it's used in Mm -hmm. beers, and it's very inexpensive, and it tastes the same, and it cooks the same, And but what I thought was so interesting is that today they're finding babies who are less than six months old who are obese, Mm -hmm. and that's because of the sugars that are put in the formulas.
2: And that was actually something, um, I, I watched the same video, something that was interesting. You saw at the very beginning was discussing about what do um, a typical, you know, an in, in Asian diet, in, uh, I believe he was in, in Japan, Japanese diet uh, had the same with the Atkins diet. And if they're both, they take out processed food and fructose. They don't have that in that. One is saying you lost the carbohydrates, no sugars. And one is saying, um, you know, no carbohydrates, no no sugars, you know, lots of, lots of meats, or no carbohydrates and lots of meats. And uh,
0: that's really disgusting. just the only thing that they have in common is that they don't have the sugars. Both of them exactly. don't have sugar.
2: But, you know, but they exceed, you know, certain success. Under, is that sugar is lurking and everything it's surprising me just to read your labels and one way when people if people say they don't understand um how to read your label when you look at ingredients the first ingredients actually the way the ingredients are listed is in how what the percentage of it so if your first ingredient is milk that means that that product is the highest percentage of it that's why sometimes when you read down at the bottom that's when it starts saying those crazy words you can never pronounce and in the First part, you don't want things like that. But um, usually the first three ingredients. So it's always interesting. I like comparing that. If you've ever seen cheese and cheese product, and that's something too when you're looking for food. Those um, so things that are un that are processed, not a uh, non-natural in essence, are going to be a lot more soaked with uh, sodium, uh, carbohydrates, and sugars. Are things that have a variation. So there's different. there's things will say cheese or cheese product. That would be those processed cheese slices. Um, there's peanut butter and then there's peanut butter spread. Peanut butter spread is the first, you know, when your first ing- ingredient is um, corn syrup, you know, it's food toast, and then later down, you know, it, it says peanut. You want what your thing is to be the very first ingredient. So in other um, words,
0: for peanut butter, just to make it clear, you want the first thing listed to be peanuts. Exactly. You don't want exactly. it to be peanuts Except exactly. oh, yeah. because, because that's going to be oil. What you really want
2: and... to say is milk, not oil, not and with so many things that pumps up, all these oils and the sugars and the sodiums, uh, all these things that your body isn't made to um, digest the stuff. That's why so many people have so many, um, you know, gastrological Incidences, and one thing too, another thing that, uh, we've brought on to other countries with all these preservatives, if your food can live outside of a refrigerator, that's throw it away, that's, that's not good. And I'm not talking about, you know, a box of cereal or something, but food such as, you know, all these processed foods, stuff that have so much that they can last, if you know, when their expiration date are years away, um, just be cautious of that stuff. Think about these things of what you're putting in your body. Um, well, you know, I just wanted to jump in there. I,
0: I just remember so clearly when I was living in Europe, going to school over there, both in Holland and in France and in Switzerland, and uh, people went to the store literally every day to buy their fresh stuff. There wasn't a supermarket when I was going to school there. There wasn't any grand, you know, grocery store. There were little small uh, uh, there was a bread store, there was a meat <laughs> store, there was a dairy store, and you bought fresh every single day, and you only bought enough for that day. So that was
2: yeah, and really eating fresh. That's, that's a big thing that is, that, you know, in regards to globalization, how we're destroying it. America really needs to take on things, as you're saying. Such in France, how they have all these small plates, in you know, the poisson, that if they have a place you would just to go to get your fish, just to go to get your bread, just to go to get your pastries. Not only one it sounds in American culture that sounds like a big inconvenience because we are so about convenience now altogether, but look where it's gotten us. And now using again French is, is that everything is so spread out. you have to go um, people they they're only buying for that day, but at the same time that's increasing physical activity as well. as they walk everywhere, they take those two hours for lunch, you know we are at our desk, we're eating, we're going. And that's unfortunate too. We are spreading this lifestyle as well with people that when we are you know in globalization global trade with people they need to work with our as as we are on different time schedules and working and meeting and lunches uh we're making people accommodate to our lifestyle and thus it, you know it grows with it when and it comes oh, and
0: every, you know you go to another country now and it doesn't matter whether it's uh whether it's China or it's Italy. And McDonald's is packed. And I'm not, you know, I'm not uh, trying to say anything bad about McDonald's, but the point is is that fast food has become a way of the world, and it's American fast food.
2: Exactly. Is it, well, I mean, we are the one, you know, we are just, when people in an interview, they're saying we think of different countries and cultures and foods. What do you think? You know, so someone said Japan, and they think sushi, and they think fresh fish and, and rice. And, and then in India, oh, you know, I think curries and uh, you just things like that. There's like in you know, Italy, oh, you know, I think, uh, you know, rich uh, pastas with tomatoes and, and cheese. But when you think of America, people are saying French fries and burgers and milkshakes and nothing healthy there. You know, even when we think American pie, apple pie, we're thinking pie. Um, so it's kind of we need to re- reroute this and in try to find new ways of spreading. And we're
0: probably not thinking... American pie that's homemade,
2: we're probably thinking of something
0: that's processed, you know, not exactly. made
2: with real apples anymore. Exactly. And, you know, with so much with, you know, getting back to this whole globalization, I think, too, so much about it uh, for that and for is the outsourcing factor. That's just why you may see um, – you may buy – for instance, this, I was joking, laughing recently – um, buying some product it was, I, I think it was like soy sauce or something and it was like made, you know, made in India or things that were, are being labeled as, as one, um, as one kind of culture and actually are made somewhere else. You know, there's so many, you buy an American flag and it says made in China. Right, things like right. That. So um again, you know, it's with this cultural food of that we're outsourcing, um things like this and things are coming processed to us and we're even, you know, to get Apple, a big thing too of why, um, produce can be so expensive is because we're out we're getting them from other places That's well why just big... to
0: wind it up Heather wh- you know give us just you know like one tip that we can do as individuals to make sure that we eat fresh and we stay healthy and we don't get into this whole obesity ferris wheel that you just never can get off of
2: my big my big things and I'll mentioned before i will summer quick one physical activity. If you can drive, if it's if find a way to walk there, find increase that. Again, eat like the rainbow color equals nutrition. White, um, white is is nothing. White is that. White is processed. White is sugars. White is salts. Um, and again, you know, water. And something very interesting I learned this week is that stress beyond the physical muscles is an internalized adaptation of our thoughts. So, and so many things when we believe we have excess stress. Because the cortisol shoots to our stomach, causes that's the way it increases um, our appetite. It makes us eat poorly. Um, so find these little pleasures in the days in life and learn when you can manage your stress levels. Um, then it kind of all, everything kind of uh, forwards out and it's a chain reaction. Well,
0: great segment. Let's try to uh, keep our, our globe healthy. Give out the website.
2: Most definitely. We want you to go to betastarur.org bethestarur.com. MySpace.com forward slash Carmine Clutches and CarmodyClutches.com, both with a K.
0: And pick up a copy of Be The Star You Are for teens. We have whole sections on health and eliminating stress and just living a positive life. Well, when we return, we're going to be talking about cops and firefighters, some of my favorite people. My well, psychologist and author, Dr. How- Ellen Kirschman. I'm Cynthia Bryan. And this is Star Style, Be The Star You Are. Don't go away, because smoking Hot is coming right up.
1: Listen. Listen. The world is talking. The World Talk Radio Variety Channel. Apathy, violence, and negative messages are everyday occurrences in our country. You can be a changemaker when you dare to care by supporting Be The Star You Are charity, a 501c3 that empowers women, families, and youth through improved literacy, positive media, and tools for living. Visit www.bethestarur.org to find out how you can make a difference in our world. Everyone counts. That web address again is www.bethestarur.org. Be the star you are. .org. Cynthia Bryan is your guide on the side. www.cynthiabryan.com You can be the star you are. You're listening to the World Talk Radio Variety Channel. That's 1 613 1612, or send an email to info at be the Now back to Star Style, Be the Star You Are, with the Oprah of the Airwaves, Cynthia Bryan. Be the Star
0: You are. Thank you for staying tuned to Star Style, Be the Star You Are, where the world comes to talk, listen, and share ideas. Every week we bring you the top authors whose books are making a positive difference in the world. Pick up a book today. It's like a garden in your pocket. Well, nothing worth doing is easy, and that includes loving a cop or a firefighter. Being a member of the law enforcement and safety community offers a sense of pride for officers and families. But the long hours, the unpredictable shifts, and, of course, the crisis-driven nature of these professions can turn life on the home front into a little bit of an emotional roller coaster. Dr. Ellen Kirschman is a psychologist who's worked with police officers and firefighters and their families for more than two decades, and she has two books that gives you practical ways to deal with the challenges that come with the territory. Her books are I Love a Cop, What Police Families Need to Know?, and I love a firefighter, what the family needs to know. Welcome Ellen to Star Style, be the star you are.
3: Thanks for inviting me.
0: Well, thank you. Coming from a family packed with firefighters as well as law enforcement personnel, I was really intrigued when I saw your books and I thought, you know, this is something we got to bring to the airwaves. And especially since 9-11, Ellen, it seems that more people are really aware of and hopefully proud of, of what our police and fire squads do on behalf of the community, but before we get really into your book, why don't you give us a little bit of background on what your practice is and what was your impetus for writing these books in the first place?
3: Well, I've been working with public safety, uh, police, fire, um, dispatchers for many years, and I realized that this job, unlike almost any other job I know of, really spills over to home and to the family. Um When we do it off, they do an awful lot of training of uh, police and firefighters, but we never turn to the family to train them because they are really the first responder's first responder. And often police families and fire families as well uh, feel isolated. Uh, they may be dealing with things that they just simply don't know how to deal with. And I wrote the book because I thought I could help families figure out what they can and cannot control about uh, how the work spills over to home and how they can be supportive of their spouse. And you know what's so interesting about your books is that they have become –
0: almost required reading in both the uh, police forces and in the fire departments because they are so helpful because they're really packed with stories true stories from the field you know from the fires from from the occasions that really help explain what's going on and it can help the families cope a little bit better i mean it's, it's talking with firefighters i it's Like, who runs into burning buildings? You know, everybody else is running out. They're running in. What kind of person is doing this? So we have to understand the psychology of what makes these men and women go into this profession in the first place. It really is about service, isn't it?
3: Well, it is about service and really wanting to uh, make a difference. And it's wanting to be part of something that is important and of which someone can be very uh, proud so right. and there this is a special group of people as you said not everybody can do what people in the police and fire can do and that same thing goes for their family they really are a very independent and uh, different uh, breed of folk I know I know
0: this, in your you uh, talk about in your book uh, I love a firefighter how your brother uh, you went to fire school so that you could understand what was going on and that your brother had been a volunteer for many years but You didn't even realize what it was like in a burning building filled with smoke, and he had never said anything because he just assumed. And I totally get that. My father was a volunteer um, firefighter 45 years uh, as a volunteer firefighter in the country, and he was captain for most of those years. And as a child, we got to go out on burns. But you know what I remember most, and almost everybody in my family is either on the force or, you know, a volunteer in some way. Or the same with the police. Uh, I just remember how important it was for the family to support what was ever, what was going on, because in those days, um, the the firefighters actually had to buy their own equipment, even their (laughs) trucks, everything. (laughs) And so if the, if the family wasn't there to support you and make the sandwiches and, you know, go out to rally you on and bring the change of clothes and all of that, it just, it didn't work.
3: Well, I think it has to work both ways. What I say to cops and firefighters is, look, you've got two families. You've got your work family and you've got your real family. Exactly. And you, you have to take care of both of them because communication is one of the real challenges for public safety families. Uh, firefighters and cops alike, uh, often feel like they can't talk about the work they do because it is, it will be frightening to their family or it was too grotesque, too difficult to describe or they don't want to think about it anymore. And the family members have to understand, uh, have to understand that. I mean, firefighters and cops, as you know, couldn't do the work they do without a family to support them, which also means then that the uh, law enforcement professional the firefighter has to return that support to their family. It can't be just a one-way street.
0: Well, so how, what is it, what does make a successful police or fire family? What makes them tick? How do they do that?
3: Well, they do that in a kind of very interesting way. I think they do that by being quite independent, by being able uh, to pinch hit for each other because there's awfully long hours involved in in, uh, emergency services work. Um, They need to have, family members need to have their own separate support systems because as you said when the big one hits here in california it'll be a big earthquake all the emergency responders will be going into work and the family will be left to cope by themselves so they need to be strong they need to have their own independent um, uh... independent support systems i also say that particularly for law enforcement families they need to be assertive and outspoken because they're married to professional interrogators and if they don't learn how to uh, assert themselves, um, they're apt not to get what they need. They're not apt to not get their needs met. I think it also helps to work for a family-friendly department, and that varies across the United States, and to have some accurate understanding of what the job really is, not to get your information off of the television set. Now, when you you talk about that
0: quite a bit in your books, because these days, you know the television is filled with uh all the different cop shows there's movies about fire fighters there's you know all of this stuff going on and so it there's a lot of myths out there and I just know with the people that I know those myths have been busted over and over I mean everyone that I know that's in the fire of uh, fire forces or the police forces they have Uh, Good marriages. They have nice families. um, They're, they're, you know, they're doing well. But Mm -hmm. you mentioned in there how you were at a a conference, and there was something that really was distressing to that was said to the people that were in the audience. And I think that we we can't spread rumors without basing them up with statistics.
3: Absolutely. And the biggest rumors, of course, are about uh, divorce. Um, about the lethality of the job, how dangerous it is. Um, And there there are many myths about alcohol abuse. And and, let's take the one of divorce in law enforcement. People are convinced that uh, police officers have higher divorce rates than other occupations. In fact, they do not with the research that I know, which is very hard to come by. Uh, I think people, the highest divorce rate, uh, on the last study, uh, comparison study I saw were bartenders and massage therapists and dancers, oddly enough.
0: It's important- and I think dentists to, are right up there too,
3: right? <laughs> dentists? Well, uh, they weren't on the list. Oh good, um, that's good the to know. <laughs> most recent one I saw. It's important to, uh, Bust those myths, as you say, because if you are a police family in trouble and you think you're destined to get divorced, because that's what happens to cops, why would you look for help?
0: Well, and then if that's all you think about, that's what you attract to you, because what we think about and talk about comes about. So we really need to not think that way. Mm -hmm. You know, you brought up a a really good point in talking about some of the things that the safety uh, service people see can be just heartbreaking, whether it's airplane crashes or, you know, um, a car a car accidents or terrible fires or murders or etc., and it does take a special kind of person that can cope with that. I know I have a relative who is CSI, and it's, this is a, a woman, and she's quite young, and she's just really great at coping, but what she says helps her so much is that she came from a really strong caring family background and that she's able she never talks about in detail about the incidences mm-hmm. but she's able to talk about how she feels about things with her spouse and i think that that's an important element to be having a healthy relationship
3: well i think that's an incredibly important element and that's when i go around doing workshops for firefighter couples and police couples i say look you don't have to come home and tell every little detail about the finger you found here or the child that was so badly injured. What your family really wants to know is, did you walk in the house with that look on your face because you're mad at me or did something happen to you at work?
0: Yes.
3: And you don't. it's not, a, not all or nothing. You can just say, look, I've had a really terrible day today and I've seen some really awful things. What I need is to go out and walk the dog for half an hour before I come home.
0: Yeah, that is such a that is a wonderful point. I wanted to say uh, tell our listeners we are speaking with Dr. Ellen Kirschman. She is the author of I Love a Cop and I Love a Firefighter, and she provides organizational consultation, training, and crisis intervention to uh, fire departments and uh, police departments. And of course, she speaks everywhere. Her website's EllenKirschman.com. And these are really important books because. It is what the families need to know. You know, something that's really uh, great about your books, at the end of each chapter, you provide a tip sheet. You know, it's tips of, of uh, how people can move forward, tips, practical tips for the family. Tell us about some of those tips.
3: Well, after working with police and fire families for so long, they're very practical people, and they don't want theory. They want to know what to do about something. So, for example, in uh, uh, one of the chapters on what what you can't change about what's going on, uh, the, what I call the givens, um, I tell uh, police officers and of families to be as self-sufficient as possible for emergencies um, that... I encourage them to um w- learn to work around shift work which is quite difficult and you know ways to plan holidays that are more unusual than what we think of as the as the normal holidays um to take time to talk individually and as a family um to um just to you know, to sort of discuss how they want to communicate and when they want to communicate, rather than the officer or the firefighter making that decision for the entire family. Um, I tell families if you're going to be scared because you're home at, alone at night, then you have to speak up and do what you need to do to make your home feel comfortable and safe. Get together with other police spouses or families who are going to be alone at nights on holidays or, or birthdays. Um, try to make dates with one another, knowing that uh, you and your spouse are going to get together on Tuesday morning. Um, maybe the anchor that gets people through the rest of the week.
0: You know, I think all of this that you're saying is so crucially important because what you when you mentioned and you talk about this the shifts that they have. I mean, firefighters, depending on the department, you know, they can be on three, off three, on four, off three, or I know if there's a, a big fire somewhere, I had a relative that was gone 57 days this uh, this year without sig- uh, being able to come home or see family, 57 days. Mm-hmm. And so I think it's very crucial that the family members, as you say, learn to be independent. They have to have their own life outside of whatever it is that their safety partner is doing and they do need to be self-sufficient. So you, you, yeah, I don't think you get into a relationship with a police or a firefighter thinking they're going to save
3: you. <laughs> you better save yourself first. Exactly, exactly. And, and fortunately these days we have all these electronic ways of communicating with each other because I think one of the things we're seeing since September 11th were a long, uh, long deployments and knowing that people may, um, not be home for quite a while. So that it is important to try to figure out a pattern for your family. Particularly small kids need to keep in touch with their parents if their parents are away.
0: And you know, the great thing is, is now with, as you said, you know, with cell phones and texting and all of that, there's usually a way to keep in touch, which we didn't have 20 years ago. That's right. So that was a huge, huge difference.
3: And well, I think it also helps the, uh, the, um, the safety person who is Deployed because they 're lonely they 're missing out on a lot of things, and that they really need to keep in touch with their families to keep grounded yes, not to feel left out
0: well, and they do miss you know there there really aren 't any plans that 's the thing. they could miss birthdays and holidays, even though it might be their days off if they are deployed they 're deployed. I would think it must be a bit like being in the military, although the military you 're even gone for. Longer periods of time is that an area that you work in as well?
3: No, um, I, I haven't really worked in that area. I know that many of our returning combat veterans and people who were in are were in the National Guard come out of the police and fire um, uh, world, so that. Um, many of my colleagues are involved with helping people readjust to um, their jobs back here in the United States, but I myself have not been um, directly involved.
0: Well, I think that you you probably have enough on your plate. I do. <laughs> with the safety personnel and the families that you are working with. Well, let's give out your website, Ellen. These are two fantastic books. And for all the listeners out there who have a family member or a friend or a loved one that is a police officer or is a firefighter or in any of these safety um, positions. These are books that you really want to read because it can help you cope and live a full life and and enjoy uh, being together. The books are I Love a Firefighter, What the Family Needs to Know, and I Love a Cop, What Police Families Need to Know. The author is Ellen Kirschman, and your website, ellenkirschman.com. I think we should spell it, don't you think, Ellen? Uh, you do? Yes. I do, because the Kirschman, because I know when I first spelled it, I left out the C. Kirschman is K K-I-R-S. I uh, R
3: S S C H M A N.
0: Exactly. And Ellen I welcome from anybody. Thank you so much, Ellen, for joining us and for all the work that you do on Uh, On behalf of the families and our firefighters and our police, I have to tell you, I don't think I've ever met a fire person that I haven't absolutely loved. And I feel that we're all very indebted to our police force as well, and the training is getting better and better every day. So thank you for what you do.
3: Well, these are very special people, and they deserve all of the support that they can get. It's been my privilege to work with them. I totally agree. Thank you for inviting me.
0: Thank you, Ellen. Ellen Kirschman, author of I Love a Cop and I Love a Firefighter. When we return, we'll meet Dr. Alfred Koot, who helps us become a success master uh, with his enlightened book,
3: Leadership for
0: Success. I am Cynthia Bryan, and this is Star Style. Be the star you are. We'll be back in a bit.
1: Apathy, violence, and negative messages are everyday occurrences in our country. You can be a changemaker when you dare to care by supporting Be The Star You Are Charity, a 501c3 that empowers women, families, and youth through improved literacy, positive media, and tools for living. Visit www.bethestarur.org to find out how you can make a difference in our world. Everyone counts. That web address again is www.bethestarur.org. Be the Cynthia Bryan is your guide on the side. www.cynthiabryan.com You can be the star you are. Be the star you Cynthia Bryan is your guide on the side. www.cynthiabryan.com You can be the star you are. The World Talk Radio Variety Channel Where the world comes to listen and talk. That's one 613 1612 Or send an email to info at org. Now back to Star Style, Be the Star You Are with the Oprah of the Airwaves, Cynthia Bryan. Be the star you are.
0: Well, we really have a power segment for you now. Thanks for staying with me. I am Cynthia Bryan, and this is Star Style, Be the Star You Are, where we bring you the authors and experts every week that help you excel in life. Well, heralding from Cameroon, West Africa, Dr. Alfred Koot is an accomplished physician, entrepreneur, and philanthropist. His avid interest is providing a dynamic model of influence and the psychology of winning to help our performances go from good to great. His fantastic book is Leadership for Success, Dynamic Model of Influence. Welcome, Dr. Coote to Star Style, Be the Star You Are.
4: Hi, oh, thank you very much.
0: Well, thank you very much. I have been reading your book all mm-hmm. week long, and it is so marked up with yellow uh, marker because I have found so many tidbits and gems of wisdom that I hardly even know where to start. But what I I thought that what we should talk about is mm-hmm. how you were brought up in Cameroon, West Africa, and what your family was like, because I was so. Um, I I was saddened, and at the same time I realized it made you the man you are mm-hmm. to find out how your father treated all your other brothers and siblings and given them lots of money and giving you a total of $5 to survive on. But this is what pushed you to become successful. Would you talk about that, uh, you know, how sometimes we have to go through the struggle to realize what our real purpose is?
4: Mm-hmm. Well, um, I, I must thank you for uh, giving me this opportunity on your program. Um, regarding how my childhood, I had a very rich childhood. Um, it was accidental in so many ways, come to think about it, uh, but it was fulfilling, and it was an eye-opener to me in so many ways. I hail from a family of so many uh, children. Step brothers and stepsisters. And um, um, so many things happened when I was in Cameroon during the holiday. And as I do explain, uh, it's really a story of adversity. It's how uh, adversity can actually bring out the giant in us. And that is exactly what happened to me. Um, my father. Um during a three months long holiday where we were working, all of us working very hard and trying to help him build his business uh and right at the end of when we were leaving to go to the cities, he uh called um all of us, and we were standing in a line. Some of his sons took <laughs> uh, hundreds of you know hundreds of dollars, even thousands. And um, I hail from the side of the family where my father didn't like me so much. Uh, He didn't like my mother. And uh, it's strange. Why should you have many children and then uh, sort of categorize them in those that you favor and those you don't? But that's the reality. So he uh, gave me something that was about $5. And... It was just enough to pay my transport to leave the village and go to the cities. So when I arrived the cities, I had nothing. So I had to go here and there and borrow money and you know tip my hat to people that uh, um, and and you know think about what that does to my self esteem. And um, I had to do um, jobs even during when I was in school. Go around and sell uh coconuts um sell uh, candy and you know just to have enough money and pay for my <laughs> pay, pay, pay for I can my just teeth, admit i mean you, know? you you
0: wrote in your book Leadership for Success that yes. you were really sad for about three days and yes. then you decided to pull it together that you were on your own and you were going make you were going to make your your life on your own and of course the uh the word got out in the village which wasn't good for your father that he had treated you thus
4: yes absolutely um you've got it exactly right i mean i would just uh, lay in bed for 3 days and uh, tears were just you know rolling down my cheeks uh this is a true story yes
0: and, we, uh, you know it's a really it's a, but you know what when i look at it at the time it had to be extremely painful For many reasons. I mean, painful because you were singled out, that he, you know, he didn't like you, even though you had worked hard. You you
3: know,
0: he, he didn't give you what you deserved. But, uh, the, the reality was, is that it gave you a determination to be successful. And it turned you into such a good man, that you wanted to become a philanthropist, that you wanted to be a leader, that you wanted to help other people succeed, that you wanted to encourage others. And this is what I get out of your book, The Leadership for Success, is that you have studied many great leaders. I know that you, you talk about the master key system a lot from Charles uh, Hanel, which is from um, the early part of the 20th century. Yes. That is a fascinating system. Not many people know about it, but it really helped you.
4: Indeed, um, I'm not sure that I could put it uh, better the way you did. I-, I love the way you have described it. That is perfect. And um, all of this, to me, is in retrospect. Uh, because at that particular time, of course, I was saddened. And uh, when I cried and cried and cried, it was genuine. It was spontaneous. It, you know, I wasn't faking it. And it was. Um, and and my mother um, wanted me to be loyal to my father, so she was always saying, "Well, whatever my father does, I should listen to him." At that time, I didn't know. So it is actually in a retrospect that, having uh, grown up and having become more experienced, I could then look back and say, "Oh, look at what adversity brought me." <laughs>
0: And see, this is part of what you talk about in uh, Leadership for Success, Mm -hmm. which is your book, Dynamic Model of Influence, Become the Success Master You're Destined to Be, is that very often before we can reach self-actualization and really find our self-esteem, we do have to go through adversity. And there may not be an easy way around it, but it makes us a better person. You have different techniques. You talk about the affirmation technique and mm-hmm. the visualization method. Could you um, discuss it just a little bit more, how it helped you?
4: Um, uh, Of course it did. And actually, uh, with, with my dynamic model system, um, it is actually five leadership qualities that uh, determine success or failure. And... Um, this is not something that I read somewhere. It's something that throughout my experiences and the adversity that I've gone through and learning and so on, I put them together. And, uh, and, and you know, it has been one of the reasons why I have dedicated my life to helping people take charge of their lives. Um, and and I, I don't think I can put it better the way you have done it. And, and so there is so much we can spend the whole day talking about this. And so I ask the questions often, why are you, why are people or some people not living their dream? And actually the very first step in releasing uh, one's potential is having confidence. And in my very first book, Leadership for Success, I tell the story of a man named Jack. Before we met, he was driven by fear. His fear was so damaging that he chained himself up inside a small box. And, and I try to tell people that fear is just a feeling, that it's, not, it's a feeling that we choose, and that instead uh, we should choose confidence and belief in our abilities. That's what I try to uh, mentor people every day. I see myself as a life coach, even though I'm a family doctor. I've actually dedicated my life to helping people live happier and healthier. And you know what it is working
0: it 's working and and you know what it it uh, what you do, Dr. Koot, is you listen to people, you listen to what they say, and then you can provide alternatives to the lifestyle they 're leaving they're living like the nimble jackie were you mm-hmm. uh, wrote about how he yes. had no pep and no energy, but he was waking up at eleven in the morning he wasn 't getting any exercise and he was watching television until he went to sleep. No wonder. He had no motivation and no drive.
4: Absolutely. And so through my personal mentoring and, and following the strategies of my dynamic model system, uh, he, 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 he overcame his fear and the fear that crippled him and held him back from truly living. And, and he, changed, uh, he, he gained focus and confidence and created a blueprint for living his best life and achieving his dreams. You know, one of the things that I love in your book, and
0: it's the the chapter, Psychology of Influence, when you are talking about the habitual mental patterns, and you ask your readers to imagine the subconscious mind as a bed of rich soil that can help seeds grow and sprout. You know, they're either going to be good seeds or bad seeds, so that every seed, every thought is a cause and every condition is an effect. Yeah. And so that we actually take charge of our thoughts. And I thought about l- when you give that analogy of looking at our thoughts and our mind like a garden, mm-hmm. it is so interesting that if we don't, you know, prune and water and, and fertilize and add good things to our mind, we are not going to have a good life. We won't live our dreams. We have to, it is the reap what you sow.
4: Absolutely we have to visualize what we want uh, our lives to be and create affirmations and repeat them throughout the day till we fall asleep this is what i tell people they apply it i've had millions you know uh, thousands of testimonials to this and you know what there are a lot of scientific studies that uh, uh lay credence to all of this and so my dynamic model Actually, teaches people to identify their abilities and the things that are holding them back, the perceived obstacles that are holding them back. And once they realize that fear is not a fact, that is just a feeling that keeps them away from a life of abundance and personal satisfaction, then hey, the life changes, it becomes limitless.
0: Yes, because fear really isn't real, and we have to face our fears. And in your book, um, Leadership for Success, you definitely outline a way that we can look at our fears, walk through our fears, face it, and then fear disappears because it's really not reality. Fear is just a feeling. It's
4: a feeling. And, and so that process of releasing ourselves from the comfort zone of false security uh, is so important. And once that is done, we realize that we can change our lives by simply changing our thoughts.
0: Us changing our thoughts. Again, what we think about and talk about comes about. Absolutely. I, I wanted to touch on you are a philanthropist, which touches my heart. I, too, am a philanthropist. You've started several foundations uh, Mm -hmm. to help uh, erase poverty, but I really believe in giving back. I do feel the paradox of life is the more we serve others, the more we serve ourselves, it is strange. But would you talk about service and the importance of, of volunteering or donating or giving back? Because your whole life is about that. Your whole life is about serving and helping others uh, succeed and to live a life uh, that they're Mm -hmm. born to be, to be the stars they are.
4: Absolutely. I mean, I I can't agree more with you. And, you know, a sense of purpose makes the emotional connection from uh, the brain to the heart so that we become passionate about our dreams and goals. And, you know, this is the, 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 the purpose behind the purpose, which is so important. Indeed, it's so paradoxical. Simple as it is but it's profound but mostly paradoxical that many people don't see it that as a farmer our soil is the the true soil that we kill but when it comes to humans uh, Cynthia like you and me our soil is people people uh,
0: you know I love it I do you know it's so interesting you say that dr. because when people ask me what's my profession, I say I grow people. Because <laughs> I'm, I'm a gardener, I grow people. <laughs>
4: that is it. And so look at my, uh, uh, my, 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 my organization in West Africa. It's a microfinancing institution. And so I put money, try to help people help themselves. Well, it's a microfinancing institution. So um, um, I believe that creating businesses, is a medium for 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 helping people help themselves, and and that's what I, I, I grew. That's one good thing I learned from my father because he loves business and he does a lot of business.
0: And he was a great businessman. He just he, wasn't he, a fair daddy.
4: Yes, yes, he he was and he still is. And so um, um, I help people help themselves by giving them money. Of course, they help themselves, but I it also helps me because it makes me.
0: Lots of money. And yeah, and it also hel- makes you happy, I would think, too. Absolutely. So it's it a is win-win. In well, I want to give out your website, yes. um, and I want to spell it, because your last name is spelled differently than it's pronounced. Yes. So people can find your book, Leadership mm. for Success, Dynamic Model of Influence. Mm-hmm. The website is alfredcoot.com, but it's yes. spelled... A-L-F-R-E-D-N-K-U-T dot com. Did I get that correct? You
4: get it, you got it perfectly.
0: Okay, so we want people to go that, go there, and I understand that you're going to be writing another series of inspirational books, so I hope you'll come back to our show, our show to share those, because you're going to be releasing Seeking Inner Peace, and Dream and Succeed. An released, day book. Uh,
4: very soon, the rest of the Dream and Succeed, and so on, they would be released as well.
0: Well, we can all learn so much from you as being an entrepreneur, being a good person, and making a difference in the world. So, please pick up a copy of Leadership for Success: Dynamic Model of Influence. If you really want to have some life mastery, Dr. Koot has a lot of great advice and tips and examples and stories in here. It is such a great pleasure to meet you, Dr. Koot. Thank you uh, for your donation to Be The Star You Are and for supporting the charities that you do.
4: Thank you very much for having me.
0: Oh, this has been a pleasure. And thank all of you for being a listener. As you go out in the day-to-day, remember, no one's ever walked this earth. With your exact combination of inborn and acquired strengths, weaknesses, talents, and experiences, you are one of a kind, and you have the power to love yourself and become the person you want to be. Be the star of your own life. Take a look in the mirror and admire yourself. My aim is to encourage, inspire, inform, and motivate. And until we celebrate next week, my name is Cynthia Bryan, and this is Star Style. Be the star you are. I'm thanking you, and I encourage you. Be the star you are. We'll visit next
1: week. Have a great one. Thanks again for listening to Star Style, Be the Star You Are. For more information about Be the Star You Are nonprofit corporation, please visit bethestarur.org. That's BeTheStarYouAre.org. Join Cynthia Bryan and Heather Brittany again next Thursday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time, 3 p.m. Pacific Time, here on the World Talk Radio Variety Channel. Remember, to be a leader, you must be a reader. Enjoy a stellar week. You're a
4: seeker, a dreamer, with courage to give every special part of